So it's both ways. We need to instruct and let people know, listen, there are boundaries. There are certain things you should not be even doing. Yeah, Pastor Mike, sorry. Hmm. Uh, my comment or contribution is in response to what okay. the prophet has said, and I think also Andrew, that it has put pros and cons. Yes. Yeah, it's just that we need to draw a line and strike a balance. Yes, let's maintain things that happen, you know, between us, keep it unsettled, no any other third party interference. Yes, it has its positives, it also has its you know, negatives. Positive in the sense that there have been different kinds of you know, uh, interference, either coming from friends, or even the household of faith, that would also lead to other problems. Therefore, if you don't know how to manage your crisis between yourself, Okay, that could lead to some other, you know, problem. So I think there is a lot of wisdom uh, there. But at the same time, too, and that's the question that you actually asked, that how far do we carry it to what point? Okay, and uh, that's why even though it can't be enough, but we should be able to see the other side. And that other side of it is what would take me to this true life story, you know, uh, the couple, both couples are pastors, you know, in a church, and not just pastors in a church, but there are pastors under them. So when you talk about hierarchy, I mean, hmm. they belong into the board, into the council. Okay, and things are going on in the life of this man, okay, that the wife knew about and kept covering it, probably based on this concept of let everything be between us. To the extent that their geo was not aware. And they are as close, you know, in Iraq to the geo. To the extent that, let me just give you one out of many, because for the sake of time, there are younger kids and teens, girls living with them. And the bank was fuddling with some of them. And one of them even complained to the woman. Hmm. And the woman had to chastise the girl that daddy was just showing you love. Hey. It's not true. Ah! You love me. No, he said, no. You don't understand daddy. Daddy doesn't. Ah! Is for real. Okay? Until this girl actually cried out. Okay? So there are many cases like that. And of course, obviously, the man had children, no child, outside wedlock that the wife also knew about and covered. But when the rubber missed using your... Yes. <laughs> was when this whole thing now blew open and this matter had to be resolved at that highest level. It will shock you, sir. And uh, my brethren, that the woman was still denying and defending the man. I really don't understand that. Maybe I should ask, the, ask it as a question. She was still defending even when those, I mean, I mean, evidence, clear-cut evidence was placed. At a point in time, the panel had to separate the man and the woman, okay? 
even on issues that the man had confessed, brought in the woman, confronted her with that. And eventually, she, was, she denied. Ah. And eventually, when she realized that the man had confessed, and I said, hey, it is not uh, so, so, so. So, well, well, at the end of the day, they were excommunicated because, I mean, the case was just two parts to undo because when it was clear that, okay, what we will do on this matter will just be to suspend so that we can give room for healing and that and that, even on the facts, you know, that they have admitted, right after that meeting, they went out saying the opposite and also inciting other brethren. <laughs> So it was that part that the girl said, you know what, at this point in time, just, you, they, they've got to go. So what am I trying to say? Should we call that overprotecting? No, that's demonic. demonic. It's really demonic. It's demonic. Unfortunately, this woman, well, I mean, it, it was really that bad. Yeah. Because she was head of marriage counseling, covering, ah. you know, I'm, I'm telling covering churches, not just their own base for years and these are people that we had been you know fellowship together in school you know for over 30 something years ministry so it was really very devastating yeah when this whole thing you know came up but that's why i just want to make the point that one really has to be careful at yeah. what point do you really even though we know that in some instances you even discuss your marital issues with your so-called mentor that will happen to be your tormentor again and we see problems in that but i think just to quickly round up i think we need to give holy spirit his place because there is no way you are truly directed by the holy spirit and not your emotion as to where to seek counsel what has to be done then, of course, what Pastor Lionel also said concerning accountability is really very important. Yes. That we bring our relationship into an accountable manner. All these that we build around us help us. And yes. with that, we know who and who to share, you know, issues with. And yeah. the fact that we know that we're also under a presbyter, under yes. certain form of accountability. Yes. The kind of madness that is in every man. Yes. You know, either momentary madness or so, no matter how gentle the man is. Yes. He has that element of momentary madness, so that when that element of momentary madness comes, yes. there is something that, you know, when the wife says, I'm going to call Pastor Bank, then you know that you are in trouble. Okay? <laughs> Amen. Thank you, sir. Amen. Thanks. Thanks. I, mean, I really appreciate these contributions. They are important because it allows us to take things away that will help us. Uh, you know, I know Dr. Hanyanko has something. And because if you want to speak, you need to come up. You need to move up. And that's, yes. I'm not going to drive a Cadillac to meet you where you're there. You need to. Hmm. Yeah. So, so now, uh, let me just say this. Where the spouse is repentant about what's going on, and remember, repentance has fruit. Not just mere words. Where the spouse is repentant, I can see how another spouse can cover them. Cover not in as in yes. conceal, yes. but cover as in I'm going to protect you. Yes. Because there's genuine repentance. Absolutely. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Unlike the case that we see in the scriptures in the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, mm -hmm. where both of them were deceived and were walking in collusion of deception. Yes. And God immediately, they, they were gone. So you need to understand that distinction. So I do something, it's terrible, 
Uh, my spouse gets to know, and I say, honey, I'm so sorry. I missed it. Yes, I own up, I fess up. I need God to help me, and I want you to help me. That's the difference. In that situation where there's genuine repentance, I believe God will give that spouse the grace to help that individual going forward. But if I confront my wife or my wife confronts me with glaring evidence and I'm still fighting the evidence and I'm denying the ev evidence <laughs> thank you <laughs> at that point not just for his or her good but for the good of all it's better you escalate the situation. Because if you don't save it now, you have to save it later. Yes. And unfortunately, these things don't resolve themselves. It, it don't go away. No, 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 no. Whatever that trigger is, if that threat is not eliminated, it doesn't matter how much sorrow you feel now. It will wear off and then you go back and return to your own vomit. So be careful. So I know, uh, let's take Ungozi first, please. So Ungozi, Dr. Yanko, Dr. Nofiok. Yes. Thank you, Pastor. Um, yeah. I'm soliciting, I'm begging, and appealing for couples who have um, various kind of um, crises to always speak out. You know, share your, your problems because I just want to share this little story of my uncle who for every little um, offense shoots his wife. You say shoot? Yes. Uh, is she still alive? Yeah, she's still alive. But uh, because what kind, she wait, wait, wait. What kind of gun is he using then? No, because you say, you say, did you say shoot as in shoot? Yes. With a he gun? literally shoots his wife. Ah, okay. Yes, to injure her, to disfigure her. Wow. And he does that every little time she, she makes a mistake or there's a quarrel or there's a fight. He shoots her and takes her to the hospital, treats her, and brings her back to the house. Uh, that's why I With the real question. gun is my uncle in Nigeria, back in Nigeria. Yes. Yes. All the time. Sorry? They are not blank bullets. They are not. Is he... No, he's into drugs. Yes, yes. He's into drugs. He violates her. And she's still alive, but she's disfigured. She has lost her eyes. No. So I'm just saying this because you know each time she goes to the church to seek for advice and they'll tell her submit to your husband listen okay. to her keep quiet you know and all that so she kept she kept this thing in, in her and she kept it within herself and she keeps receiving the bullets to the extent that even all her children became violent hmm. that every little thing when you correct the child he breaks the TV or slams or takes a knife, you know, things wow. like that. So, <laughs> my uncle died two weeks ago, but left the wife disfigured, no eyes, you know, crippled. So, I'm just soliciting, please, let's speak out. Let's, let's look for someone that, that could give you real counsel. Someone that could really, really, Oof. you know... Instead of enduring and submitting, and I don't know. Amen. Thank you, sir. Wow. Listen, I've thought I've heard it all, but real this, life, my uncle. I hear you. I hear you. This yes. is another dimension in abuse. 
Oh, Dr. Nofia, we need to dispatch you to that village. <laughs> hold up, hold up. Dr. Yen. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I, this, this, this kind of um, situations are common in, uh, in codependence. You know, when, when, uh, the, when there's a, someone who is dependent on, either on a drug or, or an, an emotional maladaptation, like anger, the way they handle anger is, is, is by violence, but the spouse is there taking all this abuse. We call them codependent. The addict is addicted to the behavior. They are addicted to the addict. So as the uh, addict uh, wait, is wait, 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 wait. No, no, Slow down, slow down. Slow down. I'm hearing you, but I just want to slow down so we can process it properly. The addict is addicted? It's addicted to either the, the, the drug of, of abuse or the behavior that they, they can't stop. The spouse... Who is getting the victim? The person has been... The yes, in trying to cover up for them, they will make excuse for them, and they get kind of bent. It's like the person is bending in behavior. They are bending with them. And so, it's no wonder that lady that you mentioned, she comes to the point in which she's actually acting out all the symptoms of an addict. Denial is one of them. She's now denying that that person is doing what is doing what he's doing that she's caught him doing several times is very common in, in addicts in general but so unfortunately for addiction that is not hardcore drugs we just don't you know, we don't talk about them we don't even refer them for treatment now now some psychologists i like him to talk about that the psychologists deal with them a lot in, in drug addiction, we just give them medication, we we'll we'll refer them to the psychologist to, to deal with the issues. Wow. Yeah, it's like battered wife syndrome. It's com very common. What do you call the syndrome? Battered wife syndrome. Oh, okay, okay, battered wife syndrome. You know, because they cover up for, for, the, for the husband, and even, even it can happen to a man, like you, you said, I know a guy who was actually a boxer. A boxer. A boxer by, by profession. He came to my office. He confessed to me that my, my, when my wife gets angry, she beats me up. I said, with what? Wait, wait, wait. A boxer? A boxer. Beaten by, by his wife? By his wife. I've heard it all today. <laughs> <laughs> because, you see, he says, if I hit her one time, ah. they're going to say I'm a boxer. I'm, I'm, I'm using uh, uh, weapons. What do they call them now? Lethal weapon. Lethal weapon. Lethal weapon. His hand is a weapon. Yes. So she would take up a chair, bang it on his head, and then after, after several seasons, she, he just said one day, look, this is the last time. You better beat what you can today because I'm out of here. <laughs> and that was how they, they had a divorce. And she actually started beating him up that day too. In fact, a policeman came there one time, saw both of them, and told, and looked at him, bumped all over, looked at him, and turned to the wife and said, what did he do to you? And she said, he said, I called you 
because she was beating me up. You are turning to her, asking her what I did to her. I'm the one that was victimized. He didn't believe. He didn't believe him. And wow. so he got to the point in which he, uh, he worked out. Um, so I, I call it codependent. I think uh, he, he can say some, some things about it too. Hopefully you can give us some solutions. Because this is, this is, no, seriously, because this is, this is incredible. Yeah, this is very incredible. To hear what Pastor Mike just described. And these are believers. Now, unbelievers, maybe I can say, Pastor. yeah. Pastors. Holy Spirit filled. <laughs> High ranking pastors. So how, give me your take. How does a man fall in that kind of misbehavior and the wife enables him, so to speak, through denials and refusing to accept what is so obvious. So number one, explain that to me. Number two, what is the solution? Usually there is a sense of worthlessness in the woman. That accepts that kind of a thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, she has this idea that, well, I am worthless, and without this man, I cannot survive. Hmm. The codependency. Did you guys that, hear that? Yeah. It's a sense of worthlessness. Yes. That if I don't have this man or this spouse, I cannot survive. I cannot survive. So from that perspective, yes. they already believe the lie. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, um, the codependency that you talked about, actually there are three, three phases in codependency. The first phase is that this person becomes a caretaker to the addict. Okay, so I'm trying to help him out. Yes. Okay. A caretaker to the addict becomes an enabler. You are, you are really not helping that person. You are actually enabling by hiding, by concealing. Okay. Now, if person doesn't change, this codependent person goes to the next stage, which is to persecute. To what? To persecute. Persecute, okay. It changes from being a caretaker to a persecutor. All the things, you know, what he or she says is, all the things I have done for you, this is what I get. Ah. This is what I get. So he or she now becomes a persecutor in order to have that person change because basically what a codependent person does is actually getting his or her kicks through the person's behavior. As long as you are an addict, I will take care of you. The moment you, you stop being an addict, then I don't have any kicks. Because my kicks comes when I take care of you. Wow. And that is a toxic relationship. You are loving that person. You, you say you are loving that person. Is that only you that you are loving? You are not loving that person. Because the love you say that you are professing is actually the love for yourself. As long as you remain an addict, then I get my joy in taking care of you. Ah, ah. I will enable your addiction because as long as you remain an addict, my job goes on, my job of taking care of you goes on. Continues. Job security. Oh, yes. 
But the moment you now say, I don't want to be an addict, <laughs> he or she will now begin to persecute you. And then if you continue to say, I don't want this kind of relationship, the person now becomes a victim. Uh -uh. Victim says, you know, all the things I have done for you, this is how you've treated me. I am now a victim of your abuse. And all of this is just to control, just to control that person. And usually, why? Wow. We'll go through I that can see that now. Well, that word control, I can see yes, now from control. what Mike said. Because yeah. as long as that man was getting that so-called crazy support from the woman, yeah. the woman will use that to control him. It's control. The wow. Bottom, the bottom line is control. Either you are a caretaker where you now become an enabler, or you become a persecutor, it's still enabling, or you become a victim, it's still enabling. And so, once that person now says, the relationship is gone, you know, it's over, I don't want to continue in this toxic relationship. Usually, it, it ends up in divorce, but the problem has not been solved. The codependent takes that relationship to, to the next another one. relationship. Man! But the, but the bottom line is just control. The codependent wants to control that, that person. And then they use all these ploys. I've taken care of you. I've become your persecutor so that I will draw you to myself. I've become a victim so that I will draw you to myself. I'm just enabling you. It's just fun. So whether the person stays in, in the relationship, get beaten, abused, either physically or verbally, the bottom line is that I want to control. So the problem is on the, is on the person who has been abused. Because as long as you keep staying in that, you are enabling that person. But if you draw the line, if you draw the line, set the boundary like Brother Larry said, and give the person a choice. Give the person a choice. If you want to talk to me, and then you want to vent your anger, because I am not a garbage can for your anger. If you want to talk to me, and I want to vent your anger, I'm not going to stand there. To tolerate. I'm not going to listen. So you, you, you know, you said that um, the, the owners or the choices on that. And if you set the boundary, you have to make sure that one, it is a healthy boundary. Number two, you have to enforce it. Because if you don't enforce it, the abuse is going to come. Wow. So can those individuals be helped? And how, and how how does that help come? They, they can be helped once they come to understand. Like, if if the woman has this, this sense of what is, usually what I do is to let them know who they are, their identity. That your sense of worth does not depend on what your husband says or what your wife says about you. Your sense of worth depends on who you are in Christ. Usually I find women that are so beautiful, but when they look at themselves in the mirror, they see 
very ugly. Ah. Because, I mean, if you feel that you are worthless, what is going to come out of you? They become a punching bag. They become a doormat to any kind of abuse. They are ready to take because they want to control. That is very interesting. So, a sense of identity inside who they are in, in Christ, as soon as they begin to understand that, that I don't have to control, I don't have to be a punching bag because I want my husband to love me. I want my husband to love me because, I mean, if, if he leaves me, then who, who is there to take me? I am what? So they come to understand that their work is in Christ it takes a long time for them to come out of that, out of that uh, mindset. Very interesting. Renewing of the mind. Thank you for sharing that, Pastor. Tissi, next. You know, as you are talking, Doc, you and I know someone. Uh, I think this person, uh, okay, I want to be careful how I describe them. Uh, when, you were, when you were healing, in one of these last stages, they were in your house, they visited a lady who went through that kind of abuse, but thank God she made a decision early enough to stop that, to, to get out of that abusive situation. Do you remember? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I, just as she was speaking, the pictures just came to me. Very attractive woman. Because I, I used to wonder, ah, well, I mean, why would anybody hate this person? Why? But thank God she recovered herself, established the boundary, and told this Jack, hey, you know, I'm done. You're not going to keep on doing this. I'm, I'm talking about real abuse. Like Dr. Yanko was saying, real boxing. With bruises and all. Uh, things that as a pastor you don't even want to, uh, you know, uh, because out of, out of desperation she'll, she'll call and I get there and she'll to show me, the, to, to want to convince me of how bad this individual has abused them. Wow. But, you know, she, you know, she came to that conclusion on her own and and she's doing very well. You know, the, you know, she, you know the, is, the issue is just a terrible deception that God, uh, not God, that the devil uh, put on people to think that we own human beings to make them a punching bag, e either way. And I thank God that God is helping us. Yes, Pastor Tosin. Uh, mine is more a question this time. Okay. Um, in light of the message we've been hearing about the fruit of the Spirit, the grace of God, um, I have a picture of what the ideal grace-filled family should be like. Mm -hmm. But I have an everyday today question. So say, I like to watch action movies, espionage, and stuff like that. My husband can sit there in front of the TV and watch History Channel. <laughs> and Papa Alex. He likes Seinfeld and... Um, Something, who is that? Is that a comedian? Yeah, he's a comedian. Okay, okay. I, I can't stand those programs. Uh, I mean, if you, if the day you want to punish me, just tell me to watch them. I mean, that's about the best punishment. You tomorrow you must me. watch them tomorrow. <laughs> and I just want to bring you down to the practical everyday living. And we have four TVs in the house. When he's watching that because I can't stand it, I move to another place to go watch. That affects our relationship. Um, because we, I'm, 
we don't have hmm. programs that are compatible. I, I want you to help put those things in perspective. I have another one. A very close friend of mine, her husband is a pastor, so we talk all the time. And I think the guy reads the Bible like 20 hours a week. Um, to where they don't have the fellowship. Of course, when they want to have sex, he just comes and has sex. You get what I'm saying? And he's grabbed, he's grabbed the grace message, but it's not yet reflected in this everyday today activity that happens in the house. So I guess when I was asking that question, these are the practical things. I mean, I don't know if anybody faces it here, but I'm talking with Sammy here and I, I think, face about the same thing. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe I need help. You'll get what I'm saying. Because it's a challenge. You understand that I can't sit down to watch what my husband watch because I don't like it. You understand? He doesn't understand why I want to watch crime movies. Why do you like people killing somebody? And I kind of like the way they investigate the matter. Yes. So I guess, you know, this is just the nitty gritty that I just want you to help okay. bring some light. I, I, th I think the scripture says, let all things be done in moderation. So the, the answer that I have for that, and, uh, you know, there are things, okay, well, in my wife and I situation, for instance, we like watching thrillers, adventures, so in that sense. But the, some of the comedy stuff, I can't, I can't take it. You know, all the laughing. It's, it, I don't hate laughing. I just don't like how to how they get at it. If I, if I have to be in the gutter to laugh, I don't need to laugh. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, all right. Nobody understands it. Okay, no. <laughs> oh, you guys like the gutter. Okay, I see. You. I see why you guys are there. But, but the, the point she's making is a very good point. We have to learn how to manage those leisure times so that the leisure times do not create a gap or a gaff or a, a gulf. And my suggestion would be to use moderation. So I will not get before the, in front of the TV and watch Espionage for five hours while my husband is watching history for five hours. We, we can't do that on a regular basis. It is important, hear this, it is very important that in as much as we want to work together, be together, be intimate and everything, you must also allow the individuality and the uniqueness of that individual to blossom. Huge. The times apart, hear this, are just as important as the times together. The times apart. You know, there's a saying that says, uh, being apart makes the heart grow fonder. As long as the apartness is not being in the gutter. I'm not in the gutter somewhere watching porno, and she's, she's in the gutter somewhere doing some silly, crazy thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the times apart, again, let moderation be the umpire here. 
I cannot give a formula. Go home, spend two hours apart, and you spend three hours. No, 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 no. Listen, we are all spirit-filled human beings. So I want to give my wife the latitude to grow, develop, and nurture the individuality that God has placed in her. Why me, I'm also, I'm, let me give myself as an example, just like Tosin said. On Sunday afternoons, during NFL, don't call me for counseling. No, 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 don't call me for counseling. If, if, the, if your house is burning, call the firehouse. Once I say amen in the sanctuary, and I walk to my office, pack my bag, I turn my radio to the radio station where the Falcons is playing. If you are calling my phone at that time, I'm sorry. God will have to answer you. Football season in my house from 1 to 7 p.m. I'm having romance with the NFL and sometimes on my left, Nitete, or when Sammy Badaki has repented, Sammy Badaki. <laughs> That's what happens. My wife will be in the room. Sometimes she yells, Hey, we shot! And she'll come out. Are you guys normal? I said, We are normal. She'll go back and say, This is it. For me, <laughs> for me, I've studied all week. I've discharged what God gave me. I need the moment to decompress. And truth be told, I didn't just pick this up. The doctor stopped me and told me. He said, on Sundays, after you finish preaching, there is no more counseling. Pastors hear this. Because I know, especially in this profession, we are professional 24 hour, 24 hours counselors. The doctor told me. Now, this doctor practices conventional and also natural medicine, trained at ORU. I'm giving you his profile before I tell you what he told me. Because sometimes the introduction of the messenger helps you to receive the message. Is the doctor to Kenneth Copeland? Is the doctor to Joyce Mayers? Is the doctor to Miriel Hickey? Is the doctor to Menhin? As many of you know, in 2004, November, I went through heart surgery. Here's my personal physician here, Dr. David Adedayo, this Adeoye. The doctors prescribed medicine to me. I noticed the side effects of those medication, and I said, I can't, listen, I can't live with this. So in consultation with him, began to start some things out, began to use those natural supplements. Did that for about, oh, maybe four years. And it just occurred to me one day, I said, wait a minute, you're taking all this stuff. Maybe you should get an outside opinion to either confirm or correct what you're doing. Did the research, found this guy in Orlando, Florida. He practices both natural and conventional medicine. So he knows what Dr. Yenko knows, he knows general medicine, but also now he said general medicine treats the symptoms and I shall allow God to treat the root. That's his philosophy of operation. So that's how I went. Very expensive. 
My wife and I flew to Orlando to go and see him. The forms I filled before I got there was about 20 pages. Sent them by email, got them all. But unlike regular medicine that we see here, these guys met with me for four hours. No interruption. You talk, pray, talk, pray. I mean, this is a believer. You talk, ask me questions, and pray in tongues for about 15 minutes. Talk, pray. I mean, that's, that, that was the way that, I, was, I was blown away. It's in that part, it's called a wellness center. Because after spending four hours with him, I went to the next place, which was intercession. I'm sitting down there, this person was just praying in the Holy Ghost. It's unbelievable. But this is the, this is, this is the nuts and bolts of it. He told me, he said, when you finish ministering, you are wide open in the spirit. He said, therefore, sir, Mr. Preacher, you are not the world's answer to every, every problem. Once you say amen, every conversation that you receive, particularly other people's problem and burden, you own it at that point. I said, what? It's not, it's not a conscious decision you make. You just finish preaching. You are wide open. And somebody says, okay, you know, uh, uh, my husband is this and that and that, that, that. They laid the burden on you. The compassion in you comes out. You want to reach out and help them and just remedy that situation. And what happens is you go home owning the problem. It's not a conscious thing. But a transference has taken place. So now you minister to them, they go away with solution, but you own the problem. And many times you are not even aware that that's where your challenges is coming from. Restlessness, you can't sleep, digestive system, and this goes on and on and on. So he said to me, once you finish preaching, I'm not saying you should not talk, but talk politics, I'm telling you, he gave me a list. Sports, get with your personal assistant, you guys laugh, as, and he gave me a list of movies to watch to be laughing. No joke, I still have them at home. He said, because laughter does good like medicine. Now, when he now said that, I said, oh my gosh. Now I see these high-profile preachers. We don't understand what's going on. We see them preaching, two men standing by the platform. And you want to walk to them, they prevent you. We don't know why they're doing so. I'm saying to myself, who's trying to kill them in the church? <laughs> the man helped me to understand, no. It's not, they're not protecting them from murder. No, they're protecting them from people's mouths. Because once you unload, you cannot take it back. So my wife knows, on Sunday afternoon, this is the religion in my house. Football season, 1 to 7 p.m. is consecration. <laughs> That's what I do. She does whatever she needs to do, so I, and I understand that. But the point I'm making here is moderation, number one. And number two, the understanding. You see, a lot of issues we have is because of lack of understanding. Once you have understanding, 
then what he's doing or what she's doing is not so much as a threat or a problem any longer. Because now I understand he needs it just as much as I need this. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? But the key here is moderation. I do not watch football every day. I can't even afford to do it. And she does not watch what she watches every day. Amen? Amen. And even in those times, I mean, even, like, even from what I just described, on those Sundays in the afternoon, one to seven, I mean, if there are things that are expressing to her for which she needs my attention, as tough as it is, I need to pray for the Holy Ghost to help me to give that attention to her. Because if she says to me, this is very important, I, I really need your attention, then I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to give of myself and give attention to what's, what it is that she wants to, uh, to do or to say. And just trust God that she will not ask me to go to the mall at 1 to 7, between 1 and 7. <laughs> because that, that, that'll be tough. The Holy Spirit will help me. But I'm just, I'm even praying that before we get there, don't, don't <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but do you understand what, to, to our question? It is very important. But you need to, uh, think about this. Think about this. Look at God himself. Did he not send men in Old Testament to war? And they had begun months, weeks at a time? They were apart. Because the understanding was there that, listen, these guys are doing something that was needful. And even today in the United States, as servicemen, they go away for six months at a time. Nine months at a time. What happened to those spouses? This is a military family right here. You guys were in the military. You have to pack up and go. And the expectation is to return and still have a family. Cohesive. God loving and working in unity. Does God give us the grace to do that? Yes. But if we lack understanding, and if love was missing, which gives us commitment and choice, this family is unravel. They can't stand. So that's a good question. I cannot give you a formula. I can always tell you, understand the fact that we both need recreation. In fact, there are times when men need to get together and do things. Go fishing, go hunting. And at times when ladies get together, go shopping, go do whatever they do. You need to understand that. And should not get jealous that they are doing that. Again, again, the key is moderation. Because let's think of it this way. When she's rejuvenated, who, how, how does that play out? Who benefits from that rejuvenation? You. She comes back, she's sleeping, she's happy, she finds a good deal on this pair of jeans, a good deal on this coat. Oh my goodness, if you tell her to go kill a cow and, and, and cook the thing today, ah, oh, honey, I'll cook it in a minute, it'll be done in five minutes, the food is ready. But when she's not happy because she missed the deal and missed the shopping, you are the, you are the, the brunt of that misery on you. She doesn't smile. She will burn up the food. She's not, she's disturbed. So, so it's your, to your, like Jesus said, it is expedient that she goes shopping. <laughs> it's expedient. <laughs> Amen. Yes, yes, Bishop. Oh, then after. Yeah. I don't 
Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Well, as we are talking, as, as we are discussing, I'm just thinking about the T3, that we need to inculcate this. Good. T3. Um, but in counseling, you, you've been doing marriage counseling? Yes. You know, as a pastor. Uh, is there any tool for you to diagnose you know, people with schizophrenia? Well, some people that are born schizophrenic, you know, you know, they are they are born that way, and so if they are taking their medication, you will not know that they are violent. So, is there a do we have a tool, or do we have tools as pastors and our counseling to diagnose these people? Well, these are they are believers, but they beat up their wives, beat up their husbands, <laughs> and then they turn around to beg. So I'm sorry, I will not do it again, and they will do it again. What you are describing, excuse my, my language, sounds like the President of the United States. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> what, what, how would we diagnose him? What word do we use? What word do we use to diagnose him? The presidency of the United States. Bipolar. You are talking the same thing. So what I'm saying to you is watch DT, watch the presidency. Uh, once you watch that, you can, you can use that to diagnose every, <laughs> every other No, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just having fun. I'm just having now. Having said that, okay, no, don't let me go there. Let me leave that alone. Yeah. I don't know the answer. Maybe you can tell us. No, seriously. Uh, maybe, maybe these two uh, guys can tell us. I'm even Larry. Do you guys understand the question? If a person is taking medication, they are bipolar or schizophrenic, how in a marriage counseling situation? Oh, okay, good, Viola. I think I get the answer. Usually, now you guys can speak to this, but for what we do here at the church, we make the couples uh, reveal their uh, medical history, credit report, all those personal information, criminal background, we, we make sure they bring it and share with one another. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, they will have been diagnosed at some point. Hopefully, I don't know if they've done it in Washington yet, but, but hopefully, hopefully, they will have diagnosed the, the, the person to say this person is like this. And then at that point, you, the fiancee, has to make that decision. That in spite of this diagnosis, I still want to go ahead and marry this individual. We don't make the choice of who marries who. We just ask you to have full disclosure so you know what's going on in someone's life. Does that make sense? So really, I really strongly suggest that you let these guys do some background checking. Especially nowadays, it becomes very important. You need to know who you're going to live with for the rest of your life. So you don't finish saying, I do, and then you find out the person is a cow. Lola. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor, I want to appreciate you, especially for this topic, agape love, and concerning relationship. I want to ask that under the agape love, there is a place that the agape continues to love when rejected. Yes. What of relationship that you are trying to show agape love 
you have spent seven years or even more than that showing love and all what you receive is rejection. Is that the end of the question? Should we continue in that relationship? Should we still keep that relationship? And it's like, because they know your heart and they are taking you for granted. Okay. Should we continue in that relationship? When you end, let me know so I can answer. I'm, <laughs> I'm asking questions. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, okay, good. I just want to make sure. Now, let me use the same formula as Pastor Dollar yesterday. When he defines headship, God is the head of Jesus. Jesus is the head of the man. The man is head of a woman, right? Has God ever in his headship dominated or controlled the man, uh, Jesus? Does Jesus dominate or control the man? Oh, I'm sorry. Does Jesus dominate or control the body, the church? So, is the man expected to dominate and control his wife? Okay. All those answers are no, no, you're, you're correct. So, taking that same principle, let's come back to love. Remember when we started? We said all what we are discussing about the fruit of the Spirit is first of all God himself. Taking from that example, does God continue to love you and me in spite of being rejected? No, no, answer the question. You ask, you answer. Yes? When they, that's your answer. Now, I'll qualify, but first I want you to understand the answer. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I want you to first appreciate the answer, then I can qualify. Because, you, you see, you and I, must, we must receive, not from this earthly perspective. Remember Jesus' prayer? Let thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. How does heaven love? Unconditionally. Now this is the qualification. Even those in hell, God loves them. He did not reject the people that went to hell. Those people rejected him. So to answer your question, no matter what happens between me and that spouse, I'll continue to love them. Now, does that mean that relationship is reconcilable? That's a different issue. You must understand the distinction between me working in love. Remember how we define love? It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a choice. And sometimes you have to make hard choices. I love you too much to leave you in this condition. I have drawn a boundary. I will continue to love you to serve your interests, but I'm not going to sit down here and let you destroy me while I'm doing it. And that's why, in as much as God loves the world, those who do not accept his love, he gives them the free choice to choose to go to hell. They chose to do so, he didn't send them. So what I'm saying to you is, I'll keep on loving that person. God forbid they sue me to court for divorce. If I go there, if they, uh, okay, so what are you talking about? So, so it's not marriage. Yes. Relationship. Well, yes. It, it, the application is the same. I keep on loving them. I keep on making good decisions in, on their behalf. 
If they ask for $1, I'll give them 5 if I have it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> Listen, either we leave this Bible or we pick up the Quran. As much as it lies in me, live peaceable with all men. What are you going to do with that? You're not going to remove that from the Bible. Jesus said, they want you to go one mile, go how many? Yes. So the guy says, oh, you need to go in one mile. This is your enemy. This is a person. Ah, come on. What did they call Judas? Hi, friend. The one who's about to betray him. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> there is no excuse. Because remember, by thy fruit shall you know them. The only way the world will know that we are different. This is it. In my village, herbalists work miracles. Witch doctors, they have miracles all day long. But they have no fruit. They have no fruit of the spirit. So Jesus has determined by this singular thing, the world will know who you are. Now, I'm not saying what you are asking is easy. No, 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 no. Uh, by no means. Please, I'm not diminishing the challenge or trivializing it. No. Whether it's easy or difficult, that's not the issue. The issue is can God make it happen? And is God making it happen? Yes. Come on, look at this woman. I can't remember her name now. The woman that went through the Holocaust. That the Nazi people killed her sister. And she had a... There you go. Can you move? They killed her sister in the Nazi camp and the father and had the privilege of leading those soldiers to the Lord and had to forgive them. They've taken her father and her sister. My friend, has has this your friend taken your father yet? Did did they kill your father? Did they kill your sister? Ah, you've not started yet. God forbid that will happen to you. But I'm just, I just gave us that example. boom. She went through that. Where does that grace come from? This is the point. When you need it, it's there for you to draw from it. Usually sometimes we sit here and think of these hard cases that we're not even living in yet. And we're wondering, how can we ever be able to do this? Don't worry about how. Jesus said, in that self-same hour, you'll be empowered. Hmm? Yeah. Yes, Pastor. Yes. I think I think I think the question she she asked was, do we continue in the relationship? If we were friends, do we continue to be friends? Not necessarily, no. Yes. So not not necessarily because you know reconciliation it takes two people to reconcile. Yeah. Am I decide to reconcile with you? You don't want to reconcile them, you would never be reconciled. However, when Jesus said, uh, Love your enemy, and he qualified it, he said, Enemy falls into a pit. Sorry. If your enemy's uh, sheep or lamb falls into a pit, you should help. In other words, if you have the resources to bring out that lamb, yep. do so. Yep. So, 
Jesus, I believe, wasn't talking about, look, I'm going to force you to be my friend. No, no, no. But if there is something, a need that that person has, and you have the resources to meet that need, you meet that need. It does not necessarily mean that you have to be reconciled to that person because it takes, it takes two. Big difference. It takes two to uh, reconcile. Big difference. So the point is making, which bears repeating, the issue of forgiveness is not an option. It's not a luxury. You are a forgiver because God is in you. God forgives, therefore, you have the capacity to forgive. But as he rightly said, forgiving an individual does not mean I have to be necessarily concise with them. It depends on the circumstance. There's no formula. And it takes two to work together. Yeah. Amen? Yes. Hello. Okay. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, Sister Lola, I think um, I can identify with your last question. And um, I have a friend. I love him so much. We've been together for years. But I noticed that uh, people are different. And you don't get sometimes from people some commitment you give to them, you don't get back from them. True relationship is about commitment. And until a point where I was able to define that very well, I kept on giving, forgiving. Now, one of the things, like Daddy said, which every one of us must provide ahead is forgiveness. It is not uh, a conditional thing. It's highly unconditional. I notice every time we have issues, how be the person that's okay? I'm sorry. In spite of the fact that I'm even right. And um, he will say, okay, I'm sorry too. But that does not stop him from doing what he's doing. And it's been like that over the years. Remember, a friend said to me, he said, look, can't you walk away? And I said, walking away. They say I have something to do with this guy. And I realize every time it's like, he's not even happy about your progress. He doesn't celebrate you when you are making progress. Why are you celebrating while he's making progress? So I said to myself, I can forgive you and put you there and not be committed to you. And we can still be friends. So what I mean by commitment is this. Before I would discuss this, that, 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 this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm... But from that moment... That I realized that, look, this guy does not want your progress. I stopped telling him things about myself. But when we see, we laugh. We shake hands. We crack jokes and so on. But I know that personal thing that has to do with me, you will not hear it. Except you hear outside. So that's that. Praise the Lord. Uh, so there's a question that was raised. We got to the issue of abuse. And I am not sure or maybe I wasn't hearing well. I am not sure we resolve the issue of abuse. <laughs> okay. I was looking at the reaction of God when Adam and Eve fell. First up on now. And I was looking at God's reaction. God said to the woman, 
your desire shall be unto him, and he shall rule over you. I notice and observe that every woman wants to control. Wait, 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 wait. Every woman? Excuse me. Wait. Okay. Based on this scripture, let me read it to us, and then we... No, we know the scripture. Just make the point. <laughs> make the point. Now, I notice that what Eve did, he, when he when did attempted uh, by saying, okay, of fruit in the uh, is there any that God said uh, no the one in the midst God said we should not touch and not the another dress and not dress and then uh, she went ahead and took and gave to the husband that was with her and so on and so, and so forth and God was reacting God said your desire shall be to him sure 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 again and he shall rule over oh, she you. shall rule over you yeah. he oh okay, she, he he shall he, rule he, over okay, okay he. now for the man it's about rulership for the woman it's about wanting to say something wanting to have a say now i've been looking at that perspective that's why i use the word i've been hearing the word control control that's why i just okay. use the word control okay now i noticed that what actually leads to the word abuse is when a woman is trying to say something and the man is saying no i am the one here one of the reasons that cause abuse and um, what I've also noticed is the place where the woman is saying I have a say, everybody has the say in the home, we all have a say but when a voice is trying to be above the other then you see reaction when we do not operate under grace, now my question is this is because this will keep on happening and then sometimes it can lead to a man slapping the woman, abusing her. I am telling you what is happening. I do not know how you want to place a story of a woman who's been... Why we use the word abuse? The word abuse is a compound word meaning abnormal use. And you know it was being defined by a brother at the time. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know where a man keeps beating a woman and... They are not sharing it to any other person. Nobody is hearing it. To the point where the man took knife and stabbed the woman and killed the woman. Now, this was on news in Nigeria. About two incidences like that. Where a woman, or you heard about this Where the man keeps intimidating the woman. And the woman is not even saying it out to anybody. And at the end of the day, these two men keep, okay, a woman killed the wife. And then in another one, a, a man killed a woman. Now, my question, since we started talking about this issue of abuse and other things, at what point? Because church leaders need to know this. Now, God hates divorce. But at what point? Or what do we say in a situation where you find a man beating up a woman all the time? Mesmer, uh, uh, abusing the woman, insulting the woman, running a woman down, or the other way around. At what point, or what do we do in such a situation? I also want to ask, is it because most of us pastors are not professional psychologists and things like that? And um, because I was thinking, well, I think every pastor should have 
technologist who will be able to provide some solutions sometimes when you do not know how to cancel and things like that. One of the errors that we find in the churches today is, pastor, we only say to the woman being beaten that, look, God will help you. God will speak to the man. Uh, <laughs> God will give you the grace. And while the woman is receiving, God will give you the grace. By the time she gets home, she gets actually the grace from the man again. So at, at what point, at what point, you know, all these things are in my mind, okay? All these things have been in my mind as we kept on talking. So at, at what point do you look at the issue of uh, divorce or separation and so on? Thank okay. You. Uh, were you going to answer the question? Or you have another question? Huh? Praise the Lord. When I was pastoring before we started the lighthouse, we had an incident where there's this young man who used to beat his wife. And, um, no, here, Atlanta. And she came one day and told him that he had broken a bottle and threatened her with a bottle. No, wait a minute. The man had broken the bottle. Broken the bottle. I was threatening and her. And threatened her with the bottle. Okay. And so I sent for both of them and I said, did you do this? He said, yes. I said, I will tell you a story. And after I tell you that story, and I said, before I tell you the story, I want to let you know that if I hear that you broke a bottle to threaten her, if I hear that you so much as touched her, I will call the police on you. I said, because I understand what she's going through. She's going through a battered wife syndrome. But if I hear that you touched her again, I will call the police for you. And I said, why? I will tell you a story. Many years ago, the church where I served, the pastor in Zambia had a bad temper. And this is a true story. He had a bad temper. And whenever he was angry, he got violent. He would beat his wife, Pastor Jane, lovely lady. And she was telling the Gio and his wife. And they were counseling them, both of them. And they were telling her to be patient. God will help us. God will resolve the issue. And they were counseling them. And the man would calm down for a while. And then he would get angry again. Then there was this day he got angry. And this is not an illiterate man. He used to be an ambassador. Zambian ambassador to Germany. But he had a bad temper. And this day, I don't know what happened. He got so angry that he took Pastor Jane and he threw her over the balcony. Ah. She landed on the floor, broke almost all her bones, and died. Oh, my goodness. Now, when the Jew heard in ah. Nigeria, he was on the floor weeping, crying. He said that, oh, he has killed somebody. That, okay, we, we agree that he felt bad, but she was dead. He felt so bad that he did not do anything to stop it. But she was dead. It doesn't matter how sorry he is, she's dead. And so after that, if you call the Gio today and tell him that your husband is beating you, he will tell you to either call the police or pack your bag and leave. He does not believe in divorce. But he will tell you that if your life is in danger, if that man touches you, call the police and or move out. And so I told this guy, I said, our father in the Lord said this. So if I hear that you touch this girl, I will call the police. He said he's leaving the church. I said, leave. 
It's not under my watch that I will bury this woman. If you want to go to another church and the man allows you to beat her up and you stab her with a broken bottle, fine. But in this church, if you touch this girl again, you will sleep in the cell that night. Amen. So I don't know how to draw the line other than that. But if in our church, well, I'm under authority. But I know how to encourage the authority to deal, <laughs> to deal with it. It won't happen. It won't happen. You won't beat, you won't beat a woman in our church and you, keep, and you sit down. No, 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 no. no. Amen. If we have to bring it to Dr. Nofiok for help, we'll do it. The same thing. The same thing. Very, th thank you for giving us that very uh, practical and live story. Pastor Chris, does that help you? Yeah, because we do not recommend or tell people to go and get a divorce. However, very emphatically, however, I will never advise anyone, for that matter, to stay in an abusive relationship. As Dr. Onofek said earlier, you have to draw that boundary. These and these are what I can, if you go beyond, I mean, you have to draw the boundary. Now, the fact that you pack and leave like Dr. Falahan just, Pastor Falahan just said does not mean you're getting a divorce. But you are separated. You need your sanity. You need your space. You need to protect yourself from imminent dangers for which you have simple common sense. Because to sit down in that situation with a man with a broken bottle, they will be, we'll be having eulogy for you very shortly. If you, if you, so, so, no, so the point is, nobody's asking to go get a divorce, but at least remove yourself from that dangerous environment in that situation until you guys can get help. Uh, MJ. My goodness, I didn't realize this was going to take this viral. Uh... <laughs> it's working. It's working. Okay. It's working. Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. I believe the Holy Spirit is at work here today. And this is very fundamental. What Pastor said is just the reason why I wanted to say this thing because it happened in my church. And I told my husband that sometimes I feel like I don't want to be a pastor's wife. Because it happened to this lady because there is a way that pastors deal with issues. That you just have to be the pastor's wife. You don't have to pacify them. And the women are always on the receiving end. You know, the woman is also at, always at fault. And in our culture, the woman has to always apologize to the man. And that's what we hear in most conferences of pastor's wives. You know, I told my husband when this lady was telling us what happened, this man had actually abused this lady and incapacitated her and um, became like a god to her, drove her to a bushy area one day and told her that, you see this place, I'll kill you and nobody will know. They will not find your dead body. Uh -uh. This is somebody in my church. This is somebody that every day I come to church, she will say, PMA, you look pretty. I want my wife to look like you. When she grows up, I want you to mentor my wife. And at the back, it will go and victimize this lady and... and and victimize her and say that 
you know, saying all manner of things to the lady, you know. And anytime the lady is getting close to anybody in the church, he will go there and, and the problem is he does not want the lady to let anybody in the church know what was going on. So the lady keep this to herself until it became very terrible. Then that day when it was, she was talking to me, I felt so, so angry. The woman in me wants to just go and defend the girl. And I told my husband, this is the part where I don't want to be the pastor's wife. You know, I, there's a movie, I, I forgot, you know, what is, uh, this black lady, I don't know, I many of you see the movie. It's like a movie or... Yeah. No, it's a, no, it's not Tyler Perry. It's about this black lady. I've forgotten her name. That you know, we call herself um, uh, uh, gladiator in suits. Yes, Kendall. That's it. And then she would just take the step to go and defend the girl child, defend the woman, not as a pastor like Bible says or Bible says. That evening, I didn't feel like that Bible says. I didn't feel like, you know, you have to be together. I honestly, I felt like Olivia Pope. That's what I wanted to remember. And I told my husband, I said, this is how I feel tonight. I want to drive, wear my jeans and just go to this guy's house and tell this man, this is who your wife is. You are victim. I just want to speak my mind as a girl. I want to defend my fellow lady. And what pastor said just gave me a, a push like that. Like, oh my God. Like I can just speak to you and say to you, if you do anything wrong, I'm going to just call the police on you. I'm just going to cut off your head. I'm just going to do something. <laughs> just, just put some scare in your head, you know? So I, I, I felt like maybe, you know, but, but because of the churches that we belong to and then maybe you're under a, a bigger GO, they'll say, no divorce. You're not supposed to do that. You are a pastor's wife. And these people, I feel, I'll cry I cried through the night for this young lady, beautiful lady, and everybody in the church wishing to have a home like her. And they were envying her and hoping that their own husband would be so kind like this man. And she's suffering. And she suffered this for nine years until, until two weeks ago that she decided to open up. And she was in tears. She would always wear gold, wear jewelry. The husband would buy her car and stuff like that. Now every other lady in the church were like, you know, that's your maid buying car for the wife. You are sold this until we heard this. So sometimes I don't know, I think we should possess this power to be able to just go and defend our fellow women who are going through stuff like that. What pastor, you know, just said, just gave me that feel like I want to be sometime like Olivia Pope. Praise God. Wow. Praise God. Yes. The man needs help. You think it's normal? Because I just picked up what you said last, buying cards, buying jewelries, although I don't, I'm not equating that, you know, for life, okay? But when you look at all that, and this same person, okay, who has demonstrated all that, whatever category of love we put, we, we categorize, you know, those gifts, Okay, the fact still remains that that kind of behavior is not normal. Yeah, it's bipolar. 
I'm coming. So I, I, I think we should also look at this other side, even though I agree that <laughs> the, 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 the line has to be drawn, okay? And occasionally, or at times, uh, what the man also needs is to hear this other side of it, that you just do it, cross this line, you know, your wife is gone. We're going to do this while you're going to do that. But all that, when we look at the other side of it, and this, in the spiritual, we find out that this thing is not normal. This man needs help. So both medical help and spiritual help, how do we help the men in this situation? Why I'm asking that, well, quickly want to flip to the other side, too, and look at violent children, too, at home either violent, immoral, and uh, recently, sir, just before this program, in fact, I left Lagos on Saturday. This happened, I got to know about this on Friday, and the kind of atrocities that I had surrounding me in school are so mind-boggling that it, 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 I mean, it's just difficult to describe to the extent that this moral dependence from what I was told had gone deep into high school that a pastor befriending a GSS3 student, then these children involved in smoking. In fact, weeds, I was told, was just basic. Mix it with indomie, in normal life, in school, in hostel, the rest of that. And not only that, and Drugs. I even taught among males. And from the facts or evidence given to me, only to find out that even more common among female students and being told that in all this hostel, this area, this is what is being done. And recently, I'm also handling a case that same Friday involving children of pastors, GEOs, I mean, senior pastors for that matter. And one of them was asking that, why do you involve in this Aristo? We can understand this, your friend that, your friend that once said they made 100,000 that night and for this and they were sharing, you know, their goodies or exchanging, you know, their looties. And they were asking them, what about you? Everything is okay. Your parents are pastors. You have the iPhone. They talk about iPhone 6, about using pens, about, you know, controlling pens, controlling the... I had so many terminologies. And I was just looking, in this school, all this going on, and this one now, the girl now said that is, she was exploring. So it's part of exploration because she had been caged for that long in the home, and this is the time to explore and possibly explode. And this is what is going on. And as I was about to travel to, I, one of them by the name Jesuferomi, as the name of this girl. This thing actually touched me okay yeah it really touched the me name. because i didn't when i discovered in looking at results that for years ago i no longer see the result of this girl i was wondering i even thought within myself that she had, she had gone abroad to continue her education only for her mother to call me up that same week huh? By now, our colleagues are in MED2, that is master's year, no, MED1, master's year one. She had not completed, she absconded from year three, okay? 
And I was wondering, and I now had to call, you know, our colleagues. That, oh, what about it? Because then I remember, remember very well by that name, and I would say, Jesus, is me or not you. You know, was that close? Only to find out that she too had gone a wire and all this happening, and to find out that our parents are pastors, in fact, senior pastors, for that matter too. And they were trying to find a formula to get her, only for me to hear from the mother that she had only spoken to her once this year and never set her eyes on her. I said, how come? And she's living close to the school. They got that, that apartment for her because of close proximity to the university. And the girl had just gone away. And I was just wondering, and I now called the colleagues, by the way, you mean she's doing all this and still bearing the name Jesus fell on me? Ah, they said, by the way, they've removed the Jesus. That is just fell on me, fell on me. Ah, I said that. I think that. So, sir, when we look at that, we, we find out that indeed the families are under serious attack. Oh, definitely. No doubt about that. Indeed, families are under serious attack. And it's really very disappointing and painful to find out that this attack is really targeted at you know believers and pastors children seriously okay yeah. do you want do you want me to respond okay first of all let me say this to pastor mj's uh i'll say to you yes there is a place and need for righteous indignation that is that is true you must have that you should in fact to not have that will almost be a sin I said the word almost. However, we must be able to balance that with what Pastor Mike just said. Truly understanding that that man who is perpetrating that kind of evil needs serious help. Now, needing help does not equate to say, woman, stay there. Let's make that, make that clear. That boundary must be clear. Don't stay there and take that abuse forever. No, 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 no. So we remove the woman or make sure we eliminate the issue of her being under that threat every day. And then at the same time, begin to continue to reach out to the man, to speak the truth to him in love and trying to give him the help he needs. Do you understand that? He needs to know that that behavior will not be tolerated. He needs to know that. And that it's a problem and he needs to change. Now, I'm glad you brought up the issue you brought up about the children that's misbehaving. Let me just throw this out there. A fruit does not fall too far from a tree. Does not fall too far from a tree. So rather than us focus on the children with bad behavior, look at their parents. Unfortunately, the parents are, they have, they have mastered the wearing of fig leaves. Do you understand what I mean by that phraseology? They cover up in public. They are Mr. Correct, Mr. Right, the right verbiage, the right understanding. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is so good. The man is a demon in the, in the house. The wife is a co-demon. I mean, whatever they are. I, this is the reason we must get this message right. Because you see, you must understand that Satan is not just after my wife and my, my, myself. One generation is too easy for him. That's not his goal. That's not his goal. He wants a lineage. 
Five generations down, I got you all covered. Why? Because Satan's ploy is to duplicate or counterfeit or to counter whatever God is doing. What did God say? He said he made, he made a man and a woman to join together. Why? Seeking godly offspring. So a marriage, we make this mistake to think a marriage is just between a man and a woman, and that's true, but that's incomplete. It's between a man and a woman so that the man and the woman can perpetuate for God godly offspring. Generations of godly offspring. So if we are Mr. Satan, you're not looking to just stop the man and the woman. You want to stop them or in fact enable and empower them to pass down the wickedness to future generations. So yes, you prop the man up and you prop the woman up. They have fig leaves. They are covered. They look at everything is fine. And so we go to church and say, ah, man, this is a senior pastor. Wonderful. But their home is a breeding ground for demons. Now, I'm not saying that that's always 100% the case. But I am saying that where the man and the woman don't live right, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. It doesn't matter how well they preach. They preach to the children, that shall not do, that shall not do this, that shall do, blah, 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 blah. Kids, are, they are not looking for what you say. They are looking for what they see. It's what they see. And you know what? They are like God. God is not impressed with what I say. He said, for I know him, talking about Abraham, that he will command or order his household after him. God commended Abraham for his actions, not for what he said. This is the reason you and I do not have the luxury of failing. God help us that we don't leave this place going back to doing what we used to do. Knowing fully what well our children are watching us. In church, we lift up our hands. We praise God. We have wonderful, powerful, earth-shaking prayer times. We get out of the room like a lion. Torment everybody in the house. I remember growing up, you, you, you turn the TV on and the, thing, the knob is broken, you're finished. <laughs> Because in my village, only one person has a television. So your father struggled to buy one television. For the whole village. And then you, and then you, one, you, you are made a mistake, you, you pulled the knob and the thing just made in China. Made in China knob, the thing just came out in your hand, it's, destroyed, it's broken. Ah, you're finished. You're a dead man. You broke a TV, not a human being. But your father or mother will beat the daylight, they will beat you silly. So somehow, in your mind as a child, you feel that the TV is more important than you. And you grew up with that kind of mindset. Oh, I will never forget a day as a child. 
My father was cutting his nails, and I was there. And he had a napkin, and he told me to collect the, uh, the nails that was, that was being cut. I don't know what he was going to do with nails, for cry out loud. Maybe he was going to go to the witch, the witch doctor. I don't know. He just, he just said, collect it for me. And he's clipping, and I'm collecting the thing. And just as he was warning me, please don't let it fall, somehow the thing fell out. Oh! <laughs> Listen, I am 63 years old. I remember that beating. Now, will I deliberately make that thing fall? No! I was a child! But I still remember the beating. Beat the, beat the snuff out of me. And I'm asking, for what, what in the heck? I mean, what is about a nail? I don't know what's been promised. You shouldn't let your nail clipping superstition drop on the floor. When you're clipping your nails, old people, it's a superstition. It should not fall on the ground. It shouldn't fall on the ground. Because it causes conflict. Somebody can step on it and then they'll be Inside our house. Yes, are you hearing it? <laughs> yes. Somebody steps on it. Yes. My grandfather, my grandfather cut his nails. I'm sorry. I did not understand that technology then. I still don't understand it now. <laughs> But it, it shouldn't drop on the floor. Culture. Okay. If somebody steps on it, there'll be fight in the house. Okay. But this is the point I'm making. That incident marked the young child. And only God knows how many more incidences. So I guess the point I'm making to us is, please, let's get it affects generations because your children take it and whether they want it or not bearing God helping them they continue to repeat what they said they hated that's what happens I know pastors who broke away from denominations because they said the evil of that denomination is terrible that did and then they started and they kept on doing the same thing Oh, yes, many of them. Many of them. So we have to be deliberate. We have to say, Father, we, we want to be like you. We have to be intentional in our prayer. We have to be intentional in our desire to see this manifest in us. We have to. I, I told Sammy years ago, we were in Chicago, coming back home, and we were just talking. I said, Sammy, if I could do it over again, there are some things I will, I will not do. And I said to him, I said, now, your kids are young. Somebody do you remember that conversation? I said, they're young. Marie, you guys can come in. <laughs> yeah. I said, I said, I said no, this, the 7 o'clock crowd is coming, so I just told them they can come in. Yeah, yeah you can come in, you can come in, it's fine. Yeah. So, so I'm saying that we need to be, we just need to be, we need to be proactive, that's the word. We need to be proactive. We need to be proactive. We need to be intentional. 
We are equipped to succeed now. Folks, I, mean, I don't want us to live here depressed and say, oh man, it's, it's hopeless. No, it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. We've been enabled, empowered by grace. And what we are sharing tonight, what we've been sharing all day, is the fact that God has made that deposit. Romans 5, 5. By the Spirit of God, he has shared about the house the love, the love of God. Is the love of God, the fruit of the Spirit. It's in our hearts. The issue is, do you want to follow the prompting of the Spirit? Who is the administrator to bring it out of you or you want to follow yourself? That's the point. And when we get to the issue of self-control tomorrow, you will see clearly that you have authority. There's a reason for which God started with love and ends with self-control. There's no law. There's no one that can make you do what you don't want to do. So stop blaming anybody. To the points they made earlier, whoever is receiving abuse, they love it. I mean, they are, they, they are locked. If you bought them a ring, for, diamond ring for Christmas, they don't like that. They prefer abuse. Now, nah, that sounds almost wicked for me to say that. You understand the spirit in which I'm saying it. All I'm trying to say is, we have a choice. We have a choice. I guess that's, that's what, you cannot say my husband just, he killed me. What, what were you doing when he killed you? I mean, come on. You, you're going to just allow him to kill you? you, you. Ah, okay. Dr. Yanko. Um, yes, uh, just uh, going in line with uh, what um, Pastor Adebamawa said, that they need help. Yes. Now, if we get to the point in which they are separated, the uh, husband and wife, yes. and we recognize that the husband or the, or the wife or yes. both yes. need help, yes. and they are still both in the church, hmm. now, how do we organize the therapy? Because the way we're talking about help, it's good, it could be emotional help, it could be in the mind realm. It could be in the spirit realm. So we are talking about a dysfunctional uh, family now that, ha that might have dysfunctionality in, in the three dimensions, actually, you know, spirit, soul, and body. So we're talking about them having issues. The husband, we're not, we're not just talking about counseling alone because if it's beyond counseling, we can advise him till kingdom come if he's already, if he has something inside him that is controlling him to make him do it, then we need to recognize that too. And if he's a psychological help, I, I mean, my point is, how do we now begin to direct that help to the, to the right? Okay. Uh, Let uh, me tell you what I do. I mean, this is not a textbook. This is not 10 steps on how to handle it. I'm just telling you what I do. You may not do so. And God may have given you another wisdom. As far as I'm concerned, I'm so grateful and thank, I'm thankful for Dr. Nofiak. He's my go-to person. Now, what do I, what I mean by that? I told the, I told the couple, uh, see, because this is what I'm learning. As we've talked about here all day, all, all day today, some of these problems go beyond the surface. 
If you do not eliminate the root cause, you are wasting your time. You're only dealing with symptoms, headache, stomach trouble. Uh, what's causing it? Migraine. When, okay, this, this, you got to say, doctor, for an ailment. Have you ever wondered why they ask you 99 questions? Why can't you just get there and say, I have a headache? Give me, give me medicine. So I need, I need to go for two minutes. Does your father have this ailment? Does your mother? Anybody in your... They ask you 99 questions. You almost want to say, come on, let me get out of here. But they're not crazy. They're trying to find a connection. Because if they can find a trigger point, they can help you. So likewise, as a pastor, we, we, you, you don't spend, well, okay, I don't spend three hours trying to find out why you slapped your wife or why your wife slapped you. Once we get to, okay, this is what happened. Within a few minutes of dialogue, you should be able to know, is this something I can handle here at this level or should I escalate it? Folks, in order for you and I to be effective, you must understand that you have a lane and you should stay in your lane. A pastor is not a solve-it-all person. You are not superhuman. Your hand cannot become your foot. Would that not be ridiculous for me to just stand up now, upside down, start trying to walk with my hands? Would you not call a doctor to come and take him? You would not say something is wrong with my head? You do not eat with your foot. You don't put your foot in your foot and try to put it in your mouth. You recognize you have a body with many parts. And each part of the body has its own function. And we respect the function of each part. Why will a pastor want to become everything when you are only called and graced with a dimension, a measure of the whole and you are not the whole? Why do you not release the rest of the gift within the body to do what God has adequately called them to do? Why should I sit there in a room trying to answer and be the answer to all these problems that may have started before I was born? Hello? Wake up. Be real. I am sorry you are good but not, so, not that good. Okay, maybe I shouldn't talk to you. I am good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> and I realized that a long time ago, after I canceled this person two hours, we spent time, we prayed, they wept, I wept, I said, praise God, it's solved. Next week, they knock on my door again. Ah, uh -uh. it's happened again? Yes, sir, it's happened again. We go back to the same thing, talk, I thought they got it, we prayed, we both cried, they go. Next week, they are, they are back again. They become a regular customer. You almost now live to expect that they are coming again. At some point, you need to connect the dot. There may be something that you have not addressed that's happening to them for which they need an escalation. Here comes Dr. Norfolk. By the grace of God, that's the training that God has given him. And by sharing with him and talking with him, I've realized there are certain things. When a person comes to you, they're like an onion. In an onion, all you see is the surface. As a pastor, hello, I am good but not that good. All I'm addressing is the surface. Now, 
Every now and then, God will give you a special word of knowledge. Where you can go, you can hear what people are saying, and after 15 minutes of talking, you know what they are, they are sincere in what they say, but that's not the problem. You go straight to the bottom and say, this is it. And it's resolved. Other times, by the sovereign working of God, because he, God, wants you to recognize the other gifts in the body. Like Elisha, the Shunammim woman was running to him. He said, but God has not told me what's the problem. You remember the story? He prayed, the woman had a child, and the child died. And the woman was coming back to him, and God didn't tell him Jack. Because God didn't want him to know that. So what I'm saying is, recognize their gift within the body. Dr. Nofika shared with me, based on many sessions he's had, people come, and one by one by one, they are, it begins to peel the onions back. Begins to peel it back. Begins to peel it back. You, be, uh, you, you want to take it to Potaco? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because until you peel the onions to the core, you're only dealing with the surface problems. So what I'm saying to you is, and to me is, the way we deal with that is you talk to them and you give them a referral. That referral itself is an indicator. It helps me to know that they are serious about solving their problem. Or they want to turn you into codependent. And unfortunately for many pastors, we are so insecure. We love it. We love to know I came to the office and 19 people are waiting to see me. That makes me important. Ah, I'm important. 19 people? I will keep them all here today. No, I don't want that. I don't want that job at all. I asked him, I talked to him, I said, Doc, how do you do this? Have I not asked you? How do, I mean, how do you do this? But you know what? He's graced in it. He's gifted in that area. And so even though he does it, if I did two or three of those, I could, I could go mad. Because these this problems, are, 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 they are serious. But when you are graced to do something, it's, it's almost... It's no sweat. We get in trouble when we are outside of our lane. But more important, pastors, please recognize your limitation. Now, when I use the word limitation, I'm not talking limitation as in negative, but as in understanding what God has given you to do and appreciating the gifts that are around you so they can do theirs as well. So you stuff your weakness. I'll be quick to tell you, don't come to me as a counselor. I, I, I can pray for you, but that does not mean your problem is resolved. Why? Because I may not have addressed the issue. Because for pastors, once you hear adultery, fornication, you immediately just pinpoint immorality. So you're praying for this unclean spirit, da 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 because that's, I mean, that's, 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 that's the conclusion. But when you peel the onions back, It may be a person that's been abused. Idolatry. Something else totally giving root to the behavior. So we are addressing behaviors, but we left the root untouched. What do you think is going to happen? Repeat. So, doctor, answer your question. 
referral. Yes. Referral. Now, if you are a trained counselor, it's fine. If you want to do it, that's fine. But I'm telling you, that is, that is a, that is, you, are, you are working like double overtime. Yes, yes. And this way, it frees me to preach and use any examples I want without anybody thinking, ah, oh, I told Pastor this or not. Look what happened. He has exposed me in the pulpit. <laughs> I don't know Jack. I don't even want to know. No, seriously. No. Because at the end of the day, my job, your job is to point people to who? Jesus. Jesus. Does that cover that? Yes. Doc, are you going to say something about that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just you have, have a comment. Yeah. Uh, there's, I mean, we all use this line that the day an addict recognize that he's an addict and asks for help. Uh, start their healing process. One thing I've noticed uh, from the example that uh, Pastor Mike used and all the ones that we've used, you realize that sometimes most people in this situation are not willing to, be, to seek to be helped. In other words, the the, the, the solution, as much as we understand the counseling and all of these other things, is probably for the Holy Spirit to break them down first. Because until there's a conviction in their spirit by the help of the helper that is, you know, that is even beyond us, regardless of what you do, you know, they're not receiving it. But once they are broken down, once they, they, they get to the point whereby either the husband stopped denying or the wife recognized that there's no need for deceit and they have, they have a direct communion with the Holy Spirit, then you know that they are willing to really, when they sit in front of you, you know they have a genuine spirit and they are looking for help. But in most cases, when there's when that genuine spirit is not there, I don't care how many people they go to for help, they cannot be helped because they themselves have not finally recognized that they need help. So you can't help someone that doesn't, you could send them to the best counselor, but until they are broken down and they understand that they needed help, we're just wasting our time. Yeah. I don't think you have a person that does not want to be helped. I agree. Uh, people need to, to, to want to have help. But, but there are other times that when people do not really, this, this is almost difficult to admit or, or even accept. There are times when they really don't understand how their behavior is destructive. They don't. You say that's crazy, but it's crazy, but it's, it can be true. Uh, okay, for, I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to even go into examples, but there are many things Really, even for those of us that don't abuse people, there are many things we just we, we take lightly that is destructive at the end of the day. So, yes, I agree that people need to want help to get help. But there's also times when we need to help them know this is an issue. This is an issue you need to pay attention to. For which, if that caution was not given to them, they continue in that path without even paying any attention to it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's quickly wrap up this, this lesson.
this particular subject. Any other question? Tonya, do you have something? I see your face. Okay. All right. Whew, are we getting detoxed? Amen. Do you know what I mean by getting detoxed? Are we, are we getting delivered? Yeah. For our children's sake and for their children's sake, we need to get it right. We need to get it right. Amen? So, so let me just finish pages 18 and 19 here. Almost done. And then, and then we're going to just worship and we go home for the night. Is that all right? So I, at least I can say I've finished how many lessons? Wow, two lessons. We, we are making serious progress. <laughs> okay, so we know that love is not a feeling. Okay? It is not a feeling. And secondly, on page 19, if I can find my page, the world says that love is uncontrollable. Most people, on page 18 in your notes, most people use terms like, I fell in love. As if love just happened, and these same people usually turn around and say, I fell out of love. They don't take any responsibility for the relationship. I just shared with you what happened with me in my situation where the Holy Spirit confronted me about my love and my attitude. So I had to own my misbehavior and own the process of the adjustment. Okay? So while the world says that love is uncontrollable, God says love is a matter of conduct. It's a matter of conduct. It's not only a decision I make. It's not only a choice I make. I get to live out that decision and that choice. True agape love is not love that you just say, I love you without a backing up action. Again, remember how we got here. We define or describe the fact that God is the source of everything we are talking about. Okay? So, the common scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world he stayed in heaven. Oh, you guys are too tired already. You are asleep on me. So was that love just love that was inactive? No. For God so loved the world, he's talking to the angels. No. That love was backed up with an action, conduct, something he did. Yeah. That's the reason Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Your love will be demonstrated in some action. Remember the businessman that's traveling four months out of the year? His love for God was translated to traveling all over the nations four months out of every year. So while the world say love is uncontrollable, God says it's a matter of conduct. How are you living at your love? And when I use that term love, remember it's a, it's a general term. It's not just love for your husband and your wife, love for your children. Love for everything God has created. 
How do we respond to that? Amen? So we must take responsibility. Now, Apostle John was well known in the ancient world as the apostle of love. He was the one who addressed himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved five times in the Gospel of John alone. In John chapter 13, John chapter 19, John 20, John 21. And one of those chapters, it, it said it twice. He was around for the first 70 years of the church history and had an incredible perspective on love. And that's why in his writing in the epistles, love was so predominant in everything he said. We have several passages here in your note on what John said about love. So from scriptures, page 19 now, from scriptures, love is about actions. Our hearts will always reveal itself in our actions, no matter how well we talk. This is a serious issue. Talk is cheap. Show me some action and then I can hear you. And so the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians 13 show us how selflessness is in the nine distinct facets which we call the fruit of the Spirit. Real love is being selfless, not selfish. That's it. Remember how we, what we said. A fruit does not exist for itself. It always exists for others. Always. So walking in the fruit of the Spirit is a demonstration of my concern for others for which God has graced me. So now tomorrow we're going to pick up from there, but in the closing here, as we get into a time of worship, love is patient. What does that mean? I have the example here. It means I take the time to wait for someone else to change, to recover, to get motivated. Patience means I make allowance for someone else's faults. That's the tough part of love. Now, let me qualify that. We, just, we talked about all this abuse a minute ago. And I want to make it clear. If a person has not repented and does not want to change, this does not apply. This applies when a person has been confronted. They know that something is happening for which they need change. And they say, you know, help me. Give me time. Work with me. Patient comes into play. Amen? Love is kind. Here kindness is the ability to care for each other in practical details of everyday life. It means adapting and inconveniencing one or yourself. Amen? Now, this, this, is, the, this is where the rubber meets the road. And we're going to get into worship. A basic truth of life is that human beings do not change by their actions. No, do not change their actions by, by changing their feelings. They force their feelings. In other words, you don't change by forcing your feelings. This is where we miss it. I'm waiting for my feelings 
to be right before I do something. Don't, 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 don't do that. Rather, our feelings will change when we first change our actions. Now, I read this. I cannot remember which book I read it in. And, uh, Bradella, if you just get ready to lead us in some worship. I don't remember where I read this. But a woman who was sick and tired and sick and tired and sick and tired of her husband came to counseling and laid it all out to the counselor. And every other sentence, I want to divorce him, I want to divorce him, I want to divorce him, blah, blah, he went on and on. And the counselor just listened. And finally, he told her, good, I agree with you. Go and divorce him, but do this for me before you do it. Just go home and every day tell him, I don't know how many times, Doc, I love you so much. I love you. I just love you. So he, he, she just thought, wow, I, thank, uh, this man agreed with me. Good. And he went home, he kept with, I'm just going to tell him I love him so many times a day and I can go and get a divorce. She said, well, that's simple. As much as I can't stand this man, I can, I can pretend that I love him by just saying it and, 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 doing, and doing some kind things for a few days and then at the end of the month, I can go, I can go and get rid of this fool. And he went home. He was, she would say it and do something because the guy gave him, gave her, go and divorce him, but before you do that, say how, how much you love him and do this for him. You see the setup. Because she went, said it, and followed up with an action. All the while telling herself, after I've done this for a month, this man is gone. I'm taking all his money, I'm divorcing him. True story, at the end of the day. By then she's done it for a while, her feelings changed. Remember what Pastor Dallas said to, said to her yesterday? The guy that's wrapping the weed in my water? He went to purchase the marijuana. I'm the, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. While he's giving money for the marijuana. Hallelujah. I'm a righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Make sure it's a fifth. He carries his fifth home. I'm a righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has his fifth. It's time to wrap. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's wrapping his weed. I'm the righteousness. On and on. And, no, so it's, it's, me and you, we sit down here, we say, well, this is crazy. This is the, yeah, it is crazy. But it works. Because by the guy, the guy wraps the weed, lights the weed, and keep on saying that he is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, bless you. All of a sudden, his identity catches up with his feeling. All of a sudden, he's believing what he said. And the belief changes his behavior. He puts the weed down. That's what happened to the woman. She kept confessing that she loved the husband and following that with actions. And all of a sudden, from nowhere, her feelings began to change. Long story short, they never got a divorce. Now, would that work like that in every situation? No. 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 But the point here is, the point here is, your action will always affect your feelings. A natural story now that we all can relate to. Let's go back to my Sunday evening football season. 
have you not seen how in a football game, Chief, momentum swings when the fans just wake up? The same team that's getting dropped, that's getting beaten like crazy. Oh, man, I don't want to, God help me. I don't want to fall into the trauma of remembering the Super Bowl. <laughs> There is no single person that's alive that do not know when the momentum shift. And from the moment that momentum shifted, you, I didn't wait for the finals. I didn't wait. I, mean, I saw the finals. I got in my car. I was driving home. I said, it's over. The big move, when it shifted, Tom Brady couldn't do nothing wrong. The Falcons couldn't do anything right. The same team, the same human beings. Somebody's action. Mobilize the team, and all of a sudden, from nowhere, energy came. I mean, things began to click and work because somebody made a decision to do the right thing. Feelings followed it. Folks, I'm telling you, don't be led by your feelings. That's what got Isaac in trouble. He was feeling for Esau's hand. Feelings don't always lead us right. You make a choice. You make a commitment. Are you hearing me tonight? We're almost done. Can we just rise to our feet and just worship God for what he has done for us tonight?